Stand and worship the Lord.
praise you and thank you that we are here today gathered just to worship you. What a powerful name you have. That There's no other name in, in uh, all of creation that just has so much power and authority. So God, as we worship the name that is above all names, um, as, we, as we just come to you during this time, I pray that your Holy Spirit will just be here power and might, whatever is outside these walls or whatever's in our minds, that God will just fade away and we'll just focus on you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, our kids can head to Haven Kids and everybody else can say hi. Look at three people and say, hey, good seeing you at church. come off those boxes, you have never seen such pure joy. This is amazing. As you can see, the children's faces, they are excited as they open up the gifts for the first time. What makes the gifts more than just gifts is the message that comes with the gift. This is the opportunity for a child to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. The mission of Operation Christmas Child never changes. Children are coming to Jesus and children are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Millions of children around the world are being impacted by these simple shoebox gifts. One box can touch not just a child, but the whole family. So we need to keep packing those boxes and pray for the children that God will use this in a very special way. So thank you for being a part of it. God bless you.
everybody. Welcome to Haven Community Church. It's so nice to see all those happy faces out there. There we go. Um, I have a couple praises I want to lift up, and uh, one of them is my husband who just disappeared on purpose. It's our second anniversary tomorrow. We made it two years. And according to all the books, the honeymoon's over, so I don't know what happens wet Tuesday or Wednesday. But anyway, it's all good. Um, and I want to thank God for the rain because I needed to mow grass. I needed those steps, so it was like, okay, now we're going to be mowing all week. But anyway, but praise God for the rain to, to let the grass grow. Um, and I want to shout out a thank you to my host team and all the security teams that come here faithfully every Sunday and help the folks that do the ushering for us and just really serve God and I thank you very much for all the work that you do. I don't do it enough, but thank you. Um, we also have one of our members, Liz Murphy, is going to be moving, and we want her to travel safe, and I know she didn't want me to say that out loud. I can tell by her face. But anyway, Liz, we love you, and we just hope you have a safe journey and you enjoy your new home. Um, also, Patty Miller has asked that we um, keep her grandson, Caden, in prayer. He is back in the hospital. He has an infection and is going to have to have another surgery So tomorrow. So we're going to pray for healing and success. This young man's been on a very, very long journey, and we would love to be able to praise that he's well. So we pray for him and his surgery. Emily Hewitt has asked that we lift in prayer Bill Loper and Shirley Berry, and God knows what their needs are. And also... Um, Donna and Bill, prayers for their cousins who are in Washington State for the fires to not make it to their community and that they um, and all that have had to be evacuated. Please keep them safe. So we're in the rain and some others are in the fire. Um, and one little announcement that I don't think was up there today, the meeting ground, the boxes that we're collecting all of these treasures to go to them to help serve, we have one more week, so um, Rig will be collecting those next Sunday. So if you didn't get your napkins or cups or bowls or whatever here, you got till next Sunday to bring them in, okay? And you can look out there and see what we're short on, and I think it was the styrofoam bowls or plastic bowls we needed more of. So I'm just reaching out for that. Um, and we saw the Operation Christmas Child. You can grab your box at, on your way out today. And it has the instructions and everything that goes with it is out there. Okay? So let us pray. Let's put our hands down on our legs, on our knees, and just give it to God. Whatever you woke up with this morning on your heart. And I did forget that family in Elk Mills. We do pray for them. That was such a tragedy and such a loss. But God, please pray for them and their families. Give it to God. Give whatever it is you're going through. Depression. If you're in recovery, ask for strength. If you're suffering with finances, ask that God provide for you because he will. Continue to give everything to him, and he will answer your prayers, whatever's heavy on your heart. Now raise your hands and lift them up and receive what Jesus is going to give to you. Because when you go to God in prayer, it is such a lift in your heart, in your head, it gives you the freedom to know that that powerful man is watching over you at all times. Jesus, let us pray. 
be with those of us at Haven today, again, looking at a full house and smiling faces. Let us love one another and lift one another. Be with Pastor Jack as he gives us our message today that we can receive on the way to worship. Be with those that are in need for whatever their needs are. Guide them. Be with those that are in the fires and have to run from their home and start over. Be with those that are going to have surgery and need healing. Be with everyone that we have lifted today. And watch over us, Jesus, as we go out and spread your word and bring others to you. For our goal in life is to be in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we can all recognize this as worship. But what about this? Or this? Or this? Or even this? Yeah, that's worship too. I mean, because worship, we see it expressed all the time. Everybody, all over the world, we all do it. Whether it's our favorite sports team, a cause, a lover, our favorite artist, even nature, the sun, the moon, and the stars, our jobs, and our wealth, and yes, even to God. We all do it. The question is not whether we worship, but what and how we worship. And this should come as no surprise to any of us, because God made us this way. We were created for worship. The Bible says that he has set eternity in the hearts of men. We search for more. We look for purpose and meaning. We long to worship something, someone. But how do we as followers of Christ ensure that our worship is not what God describes as useless fires on my altar, but true, proper, acceptable, great worship? All right. Um, last week we uh, we were gonna. I was gonna do a standalone series, and we did it last week on on true worship. We talked about true and um, and false worship and what God desires. And then um, just feedback from other people. They were asking about a couple different things. So today we're gonna add two more weeks to that to that uh, mini series that God wants to do. So today we're gonna talk about one. I'll tell you what we're gonna talk about in a bit. And next week we're gonna talk about worship. Um, the weapon of worship, as so we're going to talk about it in that way, all right? And then we'll kick into our next series, which um, we'll be running with the big dogs, where we're going to, it's based off of Hebrews chapter 11, where it says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And the, the concept of this is that if one of those people, those um, big Bible characters, uh, people of faith, came down and we're in this race of life, if they could run a lap with us, what would they tell us? And so that's what we're going to pick up with um, for a few weeks after that, okay? Sound good? Um, you, you may have seen the QR code for your um, digital bulletin if you want to go ahead and get that to fill in blanks. Um, I know it was up here and, and may be up here uh, again. Um, and so uh, you can go ahead and take care of that. Also, um, uh, there it is right there, see? Um, so if you want to go ahead, you can take time to do that as well. Um, another uh, uh, brief announcement that we have, there's a lot of things that are going on, right? We see a lot of different things that are going on. And, um, and so we'd love for you to connect. You see in front of you, um, in front of you, if you're not, unless you're in the front row, um, there is... Uh, 
there's a, a thing there for the church app. Um, with a lot of things going on, that's a great way to connect. Um, you can go ahead and get connected to the church app, and it has all kinds of things, calendar, all kinds of other things that are going on, and other types. Um, one other uh, announcement, uh, Disciple Bible Study um, Fast Track um, on Old and New Testament. Disciple Bible Study used to be like 34 weeks. They've condensed that down to now 24, 12 Old Testament, 12 New Testament. And we have that, um, I believe that here we will be uh, beginning that on um, October 11th is, is the target date um, for doing that. So if you want to get signed up, I believe we, um, do we have the sign up on now? Next week, um, the sign-up will be available, and it'll be available online in the next week, and so you can sign up through that, um, and, um, and then it'll, it'll continue to get us done right about the end of the year, maybe one week in the beginning of the first year. We'll see how that breaks, because we know we have all those holiday things, um, but it'll be Tuesday evenings, and I got the date right, this, uh, the day right. I uh, thank you, Dana, because I put the 10th last week, but um, that's when we're going to go ahead, and then the uh, New Testament will pick up sometime in mid, uh, later January, and it'll be done in um, April, April-ish, okay? So it'll give us a chance to get in. We'll group together, and it uh, lasts about um, 75 minutes every week, so is what it's to, like give or take. All right? So that's a couple announcements. Everybody good? good. You ready for football today? Yeah. All right, I am. All right. So um, I, I was thinking about this worship thing, and I was thinking about in Revelation chapter 5, it says, I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, and they sang blessing and honor and glory and power belonging to the one sitting on the throne, to the Lamb forever and ever. The heaven's going to be a big worship uh, service. So um, I'd just like to start with prayer. So if you just join with me in, in prayer um, to start today so that we can just get, our, get ourselves focused and ready, and we're just spend... Um, um, time just getting humble in front of God to hear what he has. And so, Lord Jesus, um, we come before you because, number one, we need you. We need your love. We definitely need your patience. We need your power in our life. Lord, there's many of us here who need your miracles and, um, and others that we spoke about on our prayer list today. God, so many of us, all of us, have fallen short of what uh, your goal for us is and we need to be forgiven, and we need healing physically, mentally, spiritually, whatever you may, emotionally, we need your healing. So, Lord, I would pray that we would have the faith to receive from you what you have for us. So, Lord, not only us, but we also pray for our brothers and sisters in Haven Church, Haiti, for Pastor Oog and the leadership there. Um, bless the people. Bless the school. Um, and, and all the things that he's doing to reach out into that community. Bless those who come in contact with the ministries there, that if they just wander in, that they may feel um, your peace and your presence. And Lord, we just pray for them in, in a mighty way as the country is in turmoil, but we thank you for your protection and guidance over them. Lord, we pray for those of us here and for those who are watching online. Holy Spirit, we want to receive what you have for us. So Lord, we pray that you would use Haven Church to, to just explode with the love of Christ in the communities that we all represent. For we love you, Lord, and Lord, you deserve all of our praise and all of our love in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody says, amen. All right, let's see what God has for us today. Today is the opening day of the NFL. I, I love football. I can't think um, far back to a point where I didn't love football, especially um, the NFL. Um, it was bred into me at a very early age to be an Eagles fan from my dad. Um, and I, I remember years ago, um, 
watching um, the ups and mostly the downs of Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I then played in junior league and also in high school. And one of the things that I noticed, and I know um, there's some who, here who actually have played college football and other kinds of things, but one of the things that I noticed, even in coaching and other kinds of things, is that the, the further you advanced you got in a, a level, the more intense that preparation was. Like for instance, um, you know, like when you had little kids where it's just like you give the ball to the, to the one kid and they just, the fastest kid and they just run around the corner and they outrun everybody and their head is bigger than anything else on their body. You know, if they can hold their head up with a helmet on, hey, you're a running back. Um, and, uh, and that's what happens. But from that all the way up to, um, for me in high school and then having some friends who were involved in college, it gets more, there's a more extensive and more intensive playbooks. Like you have to study. It becomes like a, it, it's like a school. Uh, you really have to, to get into it. And in the NFL, there's so many different things. And that's why you had, um, uh, you know, he was famous for years, Peyton Manning sitting there making uh, uh, plays um, and calls and yelling Omaha and all the kinds of stuff like that. And just there's an, there's an intelligence to the game that you don't have when you're at Pee Wee. But each level you go, there's a lot of study involved and a lot of preparation. There's more film study. Um, there's more creative plays. There's more focus on opposing players. Watch this number because they're going to go ahead. We got to watch what they do if they go this way. And you're looking for nuances in film. You're looking at how big and how fast and how strong they are, what they like to do, um, any kind of tells that exist there, and what they didn't like to do. And whether it was practice or, or workouts or even game day, you had to warm up and get prepared and get, to get game ready. You didn't just like roll out of bed and say, okay, let's go play. Um, that's not how it works. Um, and for any of you, this doesn't exist in just football. It exists in so many other areas of life, whether you run, whether you ride your bike, whether you're playing a sport, whether you're dancing, whatever it may be. Um, you, you have to embrace the importance of warming up. Now, when we were young kids, you could just roll out of bed and kind of do a stretch and yawn and take your hair, brush your teeth and walk out, and you could do anything. The older you get... Am I right? I see you guys laughing. The older you get, the worse it gets. I mean, I, I try to work out five days a week at least. And then last week I cut down um, some tree limbs and then I um, cut the grass the next day and I couldn't, I was like, oh my gosh, why am I so sore? It just happens that way. Um, and so, so there's a lot more preparation that needs to be done. How many of you remember a time where you were really flexible? Like you could, you could like, you know, like it might've been in, in school where they'd say, oh, go ahead and stretch. And you'd be like, oh, and you put your hands on the ground. Now you're like, uh, the ground's getting further away, you know, those kind of things. Um, yeah, there's times where, where we were more flexible. In order to, to get ready, we have to go ahead and we have to, we have to stretch and prepare and do many things to get game ready. Um, before games, I was thinking about how you might do a quick jog in a circle around just to warm up a little bit, and then you stretch to prepare your body. Um, often the locker rooms consisted of uh, pumped-up music, uh, like nobody was listening to like, you know, uh, you know, kids tunes or anything else in there. It was like something that had a beat. I think in my day it was like Metallica. Um, you know, in years when I coached, it was some kind of song that I had no clue what they were saying, but they liked it, and so um, that was good. Um, but, uh, and then you often have a motivational speech by one of the coaches or the players. It often was uh, laced with lots of F-bombs and several other kinds of things, and then they'd give the F-bombs and they'd say, let's pray. Um, you know, that's how it works. Um, and uh, am I joking? That's kind of how it goes at times. Um, but um, that was to emotion emotionally prepare you. 
to, to get your, um, your heart ready. And to get game ready, um, you had to prepare bodily, mentally, and also your, your heart emotionally. And, um, and that's the kind of things. And, and to do your best job, that's some of the things that you would have. Now, last week, we talked about from the onset, um, one of my greatest prayers for the church is that this church would reflect the heart of God and grow in our passion and desire to worship God. And, and I'm, I'm reminded of like what we talked about, the words of Jesus in John chapter 4, when, he, it said that when Jesus said, yet uh, there's a time that is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Recognizing that there's a thing, such thing as true worshipers, but that means there's also a thing as false worship. And for there are, are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. So worship is something that I absolutely and completely believe reflects the heart of God. And it's a great way that we can connect, and I think it's something that we can all improve of. We even talked about last week about how we have good worship of bad gods, like it'll be later today when I'm watching the Eagles. I will have a good worship of really bad gods. Um, and, um, and last night, I had, I had really good worship of a really bad West Virginia team at the end. You know, they lost. And, and, and so um, we had those. But on the other end, we often have bad worship of a great God. That, w- that um, we save the good worship for the stuff out there, but we don't give the good worship to the great God. And that's kind of what we're, we're wrestling with. So today, I want to talk about getting prepared for worship. In other words, getting game ready for, to worship God. Now, some of us, come, you know, if we're honest, we come to church and we just don't feel it. Okay, we just don't, don't feel it. Like you see other people worshiping and you're just thinking about how mad you are at your kids for not doing something. Um, or you think about how many bills you have or that you have to move out of your apartment or your house or whatever and you've got so much stuff to do. And, uh, you know, there's so much stuff that is distracting us from really giving God the, the good worship that he deserves. And it's distracting us. And one of the reasons why it's distracting us is because we haven't prepared to get game ready for worship. Yeah, um, and we need to prepare ourselves every day when we wake up because every day should be, the whole day should be an opportunity to just worship God, to just be in his presence um, in all different things. So before you open your eyes, you know, you may want to go ahead and say, okay, God, um, I'm ready to get out of bed. Help get me game ready. Help, help get me game ready. So let's talk about getting ready to worship. Everybody say game ready. Game say preparation. preparation. All right. There we go. All right. So in sports and other kinds of physical activities and things that you do, you have to get ready. You, would, you have to stretch. I remember um, we would stretch uh, before the game, and um, some people dogged it. Um, but uh, you walk through drills. Um, I remember one time they, my, uh, uh, my, my running backs were, were goofing around, and they were just messing around. And I said, don't drop the ball. And they had three fumbles in the first half, and I chewed on them. You know, and they had none the rest of the game, right? But they were goofing around, and they came up, hey, sorry, coach. And I'm like, we're good now, but don't fumble it again. You know, that was that kind of thing. Um, because they weren't ready. They were taking it easy, and they were joking around with those kind of things. So we, you know, if we don't stretch and we don't go through those things, then it puts an extra stress on our bodies. And in the game, because the game is really going to put stress on our body. So we have to be more flexible and, and conditioned. And worship is, is simply that. And we shared this last week that worship is a response of respect upon, um, on the revelation of God. That it's spontaneous. Uh, you know, we don't come in and say, okay, at this verse I'm going to lift my hand. At this verse I'm going to sing louder. I'm going to shout. I might do one of those little sway things. Not, we don't do that. It's a spontaneous um, 
it's a spontaneous response of respect at the revelation of God. It's like we don't go to, before we go to a sports game, if we're baseball fans, we don't go, hey, if so-and-so gets a double, I'm going to stand up at that moment and go, yay, double. You know, we don't practice that at home. If we do, something's really wrong with us. Um, and and we, we, we don't say at this moment, I'm going to high-five the person behind. We don't, we don't say those things. And so, um, but we, we often kind of like, get worship kind of wrote in several different ways. We want to be ready to respond, and it's that spontaneous response. And when God does something in your life, we want to be able to respond like, wow, awesome, um, and worship in a way that God deserves and that honors God rather than ways that don't honor God that he, he deserves better. Like, for instance, you come to church, you could be singing a song. So words could be coming out of your mouth, and you could actually carry a tune in a bucket, which is a positive. Um, and it still may not be worship. Uh, it could just be words coming out of your mouth with a good tune. You're singing, but we have to get ready. We have to cultivate this um, avenue for worship. For instance, I can put on a jersey, and it doesn't make me any more of a football player than, um, than if I was in my garage and made me a car. You know what I mean? So we have to look at these things. Oh, there's a guy named Ezra. Everybody say Ezra. Yeah. Ezra, if you're having a baby, there's a good name. All right? Um, Ezra was a priest who was, uh, it was trying, the, the Israelites, remember we talked about um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego a couple weeks ago, and they had come back from captivity, the Israelite people. And Ezra was this, this priest, and he was trying to get them to worship God again, to really understand worship, because they had gotten so intermixed with the Babylonians that they, did, they, they didn't know how to re- truly worship God. And when they came back to Jerusalem, and he wanted to get their hearts right. And listen to what he says here in Ezra um, chapter 10. He says, Ezra prepared their hearts to teach statues and ordinances, to teach the, the important things about what God desires in worship in Israel. So he wanted to prepare those hearts. And so what we should do, we should, number one, not assume that we're ready for worship. When we wake up, we shouldn't assume it. When we get here, we shouldn't assume it. We need to make sure. Um, you, know, you know how many times I remember um, you might be playing some team or something. You say, oh, we're playing that team. We should be fine. And then you're not, you're not ready for that game, and then you get beat. I did it yesterday. Oh, they're playing Kansas. Well, it's not the same Kansas team, and they got beat. Um, and so we do that time and time and time again because we're not really ready. Any athlete does not just wake up and say, hey, oh, okay, I'm ready to go in. You know, they don't do that. They have to prepare, and they get ready. They do it for months and months and months. And um, that, that preparation throughout months and years and a whole life, all that builds up to the time that they are game ready during that day and, and com- compete to the, to the best of their ability. Uh, anybody ever heard of the name Floyd Money Mayweather? Anybody ever heard of Floyd Mayweather? Probably one of the greatest boxers of all times. I'll tell you, you watch him, it's boring because he's always, you know, he's, he's, he's working around, but he's in great shape. He competed between 1996 and 2017. He retired with an undefeated record of 50-0, and 27 by knockout. And he won 15 major world champions, uh, championships from super featherweight to light middleweight. He never lost a, a professional boxing match in his entire life. He even fought, um, what's the... Uh, the uh, MMA guy? Yeah, McGregor, Conor McGregor. He beat him too. Um, it was all this kind of kind of stuff. So he never lost. But one of the things that people do not realize is Floyd Mayweather isn't just great because he's naturally great. They, they don't see that at 3 o'clock in the morning he gets up with his boxing team and then goes for a run. 
And they train at 3 o'clock in the morning. And he always prepares. He's never lost because his preparation was always the same. One of his claims to fame is that you can't hit him. He will stand at a distance and be like, you know, like this and dance around. A lot better than I did, you know what I mean? Uh, but he would do that, and people just couldn't hit him. Uh, and so he, he would win. If, and if you didn't have your arms up, man, he'd take you out too. That's just how he was. He prepared, he prepared, he prepared. One of the best receivers of all times, Jerry Rice, had this thing called the hill. And it was this insane hill that he always ran up. And he went at a, a, a small college, but he became one, if not the greatest receiver of all times because of preparation and because of connection and because of giving that together and being dedicated and getting game ready because they prepared, they prepare, they prepare. Don't think the devil is going to let you just walk in here and worship. The Bible says that um, when the devil was tempting Jesus and he tried to get him to sin, that he said, if you'll worship me, I'll give you all this. If you worship me, he wants... Our worship for him doesn't want us to give it to God. So he's not going to give us, you know, say, oh, you're going to worship today. I'll talk to you at 1130. You know, he's not going to do that. He wants to go ahead and distract you so that you get no connection. Because we learn from the scripture that God inhabits our praise. And so when we worship, the presence of God meets us here and we are in the presence of God. And that's the last thing that Satan wants for us. Last thing at all. He wants us to, we, we need to pray and discern, to check and see if our heart's right. So I ask you this question, has the devil been beating on you or has life been beating you up in the last couple of years? Anybody? Have you felt discouraged or have you felt fearful? Sometimes when the alarm goes off, do you even want to open your eyes and get out of bed? Sometimes you say, I don't even want to face the day that's in front of me. I don't want to deal with today. It's going to bring just more issues and I just don't want to deal with it. And you may even just feel a pressure in your life and even on your chest that may be causing physical problems. So what I want to do in the rest of our time together is I want to talk about getting your mind, your, um, your body, and your heart ready for worship. All right? So let's look at Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. And um, here's what he says. Isaiah um, tells you a little bit about when it was, and he was a prophet, and here's what he says. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. How was he? High and lifted up. Okay, hold on to that. High and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, for kings, the larger, um, we just had Queen Elizabeth who passed away, and they're talking a lot about kings and royalty. But historically, kings uh, around this time, the longer your robe, the more powerful you were. And what Isaiah is saying, he sees, and if, if you were lifted up, you, you ever been to... Um, like old churches used to have like the pulpit way up high. You would actually have to walk up to them. And that was a symbol of honor and respect and other kinds of things. You see mine's on ground level, so that should tell you something. Um, but what would happen is that the kings, the longer their train was, the, the more powerful and, and, and great they were. I remember years ago, my mom had on the royal wedding with uh, Diana and Charles, and I remember her walking up these long steps. Anybody remember this? And that, that uh, train on the back of it went like down like flights of stairs just to show the greatness of, of who they are, that royalty. Isaiah said that basically God's train filled the whole temple. 
Like you could barely get in because God is that great, all right? And so it filled the temple. Let's continue. Here's what it says. Above it stood seraphims. These are angels that are going around. You can read about it. And they were saying to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. That's trace again. It means God's not holy. God's not holy. God is holy, holy, holy. You can say as many holies. That's who he is. Um, is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And when they would say that, the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Okay, so we see a lot of things going here. And Isaiah, in seeing this and being part of this, says, woe is me. In other words, he said, oh, man, I'm bad. That's what he said at that point. Man, he sees, the, he sees God high and lifted up. He sees the, the majesty that he has there. These angels are flying around saying, holy, holy, holy. And everything's shaking. He goes, whoa, man. I, I, I'm just, I don't, why am I even here? I don't, I don't, I'm not worthy to be here. And he just calls them to praise God all the more in the midst of this. He says, I'm, I'm undone, meaning I'm destroyed. I'm cut off. He was convicted of just all the stuff that he had because of the greatness of God. One thing we must do to get ourselves re game ready for worship is we need to take God and lift him up. Right? Um, I think one of the biggest tragedies that the modern church has done is we take God and bring him here. We often take God and we, we toss the name of Jesus and the name of God around like it's nothing. Rather than saying, my gosh, God is lifted up. I need to lift him up and just let, put him way up there because he's so great. Yes, Jesus came down to us, but man, his majesty is here. And we need, to, we need to recapture a desire and an, an eye-opening experience that God is amazing. In the Jewish faith, I know um, at the Wailing Wall in Israel, um, they call it God's mailbox because you shove little uh, papers in there. And it's, um, it's the closest place to where the Ark of the Covenant was in the layout of the temple during those times. Of course, the temple's not there. It's been destroyed. And where the Wailing Wall is, they have different sides, uh, male and female, and you go up. And you can see um, that the, the Orthodox Jews, they'll go up and they have, they'll, they'll pray. And as they leave, they don't do this. But you'll see them back out because you don't turn your back against God. It's a reverence part. Now, it doesn't mean like you turn your back and you're going to zap, you know, but it's just an atmosphere of reverence. It's about lifting God up. We need to take God off our peer level and move him higher and higher and lift him up. What do we say? We did a series on the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in ha heaven, hallowed, holy is your name. Holy is your name. And recapture that. That we need to lift God up. It says, um, I lift my eyes to the hell hills. From where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. We learn that um, the earth is his footstool. Right? And if he's got his foot on it, that is a mighty, mighty God. We need to lift him up in my prayers so that we don't just say, hey, hey, God, you know, I need this kind of thing. Like we're pulling up to the speaker and God's sitting there say, hi, I'm the creator of the universe. May I help you? You know, I mean, that's, that's not what we, we need to be. Yes, we can have conversation with God, and I think that's amazing. But we also need to give him reverence and, and, um, and for who he is. Uh, we need to give, lift him up in my cries and my voice, my hand, and even in my hands to God. We have to take God from this pure level to a holy level. So what does that mean? It means you get up in the morning and you come to church wherever you're going. And you, I'm going to tell you this. You're going to have your problems. You got to go to work. You got to pay bills. You got to, but you also got to talk to Jesus. And don't just throw it in. Just take time for it. Make, make it important. Um, and you got to lift God up and you got to put God in the right place.
I, I can't possibly look at the influences of my problems in life and the influence of God in my life in the same way. I can't look at the power of my friends and my enemies and the power of God in the same way. God has to be raised up. It's, um, like I said, even when you come to church, the devil's trying to, to beat you up. Like, you know, I'm not going to ask you to, because it may have happened today, I'm not going to ask you to, to raise your hand or even, even you know, if you're, if you're in trouble, just look straight ahead and you'll be good. But um, how many of you, uh, you know, you're getting ready to go and maybe your husband and wife or your uh, husband, wife or kids are, are late and you're in the car, you're waiting and you're getting agitated. Um, and you get, you get in the car and right as you get in the car, maybe you have a baby and the baby threw up. All right. And then you got to clean up. I mean, you're in the church parking lot, and you're like, oh, and bleh, you smell like uh, baby vomit, you know. Um, and then uh, you're in the parking lot, and someone steals your space, you know, as if you paid for it. You know, this is my rental space. That's my personal space. Or even worse, you come into the church building, and somebody's sitting in your seat. <gasps> you know, we are creatures of habit, you know. It, when, when people first came back after we reversed it, it was like people were like, what do we do? Where do we sit? I don't know. We sat on that side, but now we'll be, can we possibly? You know, it's, it's just something that happens. Um, and then um, when we sit down, the worship team's not singing your song or they, um, you, a song that you like. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't fit you. And, um, and you're just like, I don't like the song. It's overplayed. or um, It's too loud and too many people or whatever. Um, guess what? Uh, if you don't like loud, it's going to be loud in heaven. Um, if what they're saying, holy, 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 is shaking the walls, it's a high decibel level, just to let you know. Um, and there's going to be a whole lot of lights going on in heaven, like a whole bunch of flashes of lightning and all this kind of stuff. Um, there's going to be smoke. We heard smoke, you know, so, you know, we don't say, yeah, do you have the non-smoking section of heaven? No, this is like a smoke from the altar, and it's, it's good stuff. And uh, like I said, thunder, and we're going to have to get used to that. Anybody like to just watch thunderstorms? That's going to be cool in heaven. We see God and thunderstorms going around. We're like, thunderstorm, nothing. That's God, you know. Um, in heaven, it's going to be all about praising God. And so our life is part of getting game ready for when we get there. There's going to be people sitting around going, Ugh, I don't like this song, God. Really, Chris Tomlin again, he's singing. You know, can you get Andre Crouch this week? I mean, that's not what we're, we're going to be doing. So we need to get ready, and we need to lift him up on a mental level, but we also need to get ready physically. So the first thing we have to do is prepare our bodies. Prepare your body for worship. In Romans chapter 12, it's the sixth book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Paul's writing to uh, a very warped group of Rome, which is under the leadership of Nero. If you want to read about some warped leadership, read about Nero. Um, and um, he says, therefore, I urge you, I beg you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, everybody say bodies. bodies. That's the physical, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing, meaning set aside to God. And he says, this is your true and proper Worship. Everybody say worship. worship. Everybody say bodies. bodies. Everybody say worship. worship. Your body, what you're doing with your body is an act that is pleasing to worship to God. If we're doing what, what's right. If we're going, worthy is the lamb who was slain. That's not, that, what is our body language telling us? What's it telling God more importantly about other people? That means your hands are ready. Okay, God, what do you want me to do with my hands? My mind, God, what do you want me to do with my mind? It's ready. What do you want me to do with my mouth, my ears, my legs? Here we go, God. Let's go. 
So when, it's wake, when you wake up or get out of bed, you got to get, get yourself ready for that response. You got to get in that getting ready position. Um, and this is why Galatians talks about when you put on the full armor of God, you get your feet in readiness. You get your feet in readiness. Um, football, I, one, of the, one of the things I always loved, and I, and I played a little bit of this when I was a lot faster or everybody else was a lot slower, um, was uh, defensive back. Anybody know what the defensive backs are? They're cornerbacks and safeties and all kinds of stuff like that. And they talk about them being on an island. Um, it doesn't mean that they're sitting in an island laid back like this. But what it means is that often they have a receiver or a tight end, somebody that is coming out, and where the line is, you know, hitting people close up, they have to cover people who are in the wide open field. And so some of your best defensive backs, you know, they're not standing back there like this. I remember yelling to some kids, would you get ready? Get ready. Come on. What are you doing? Get ready. You know, like that. And they'd be like, oh, sorry. And, and the ready position, right? You got your feet like are balanced, you're on your toes. And, and the reason why is because defensive backs are often, much, much of what they're doing are running backwards. So they're here and they're and they're doing this karaoke thing, like, you turn that way, I'm going this way. Oh, I got you. You know, no problem. And, one of the, and they, um, some of the best ones had this incredible closing speed. Like, uh, Deion Sanders had some of the greatest closing speed of anybody. And it looks like you're open, and bam, they pop right there. And they could have, like, two or three yards between them. And whew, they got it. And some were the hardest hitters. They come 10, you know, 10 yards in, smack, and you see somebody, and like, yeah, now they give you a penalty for it. But back in the day, it was like, yes, that's on a highlight reel. You know, because they were just ready, always ready for what's going on. And some of the NFL quarterback can be, like, 5'9", 190, 200 pounds, and they hit you like a ton of bricks. They can go anywhere. They can go this way. They can go that way. They take on people who are three times their size and, and they're physical and they're quick and they're, they're, they're ready. The worst ones are not ready. You know, I was, I was looking, you know, uh, you know, quarterbacks tend to be an inter interesting breed. Um, they can't afford to get tired, so they got to be conditioned because they're always running. They're always running. Uh, and, and that's how they are. Like good defensive backs, they tend to have the swagger. Like, they tend to just, like, be like, yeah, I got gotcha, you, you know? Yeah, because, you know, and if they bat a pass away, you see them on the field, like, mm-hmm. And then they're shocked when they give pass interference. and like, what? What? No way. Because uh, they have the swagger. They've got short memory because sometimes you get beat. And then when you get beat, you got you to gotta forget it, get rid of it, and move on. Um, they, they're fundamentally sound. They've got to be some of the best fundamentally sound. Uh, they have... They have a great alignment that the receivers know where they're going, but the defensive backs, they got to go with the flow, and sometimes they get juked out, so they got to recover, and they, you, know, you, you have to do little tricks, and they're ball hawks. Like I said, some of them are, are some, of the, some of the quickest. I remember one time um, years ago, Jacob decided to play um, lacrosse um, in a Parks and Rec League, and there was a friend of mine who had actually coached uh, football with me, and he was there in the adult league, and he said, hey, why don't you play? And this was long before I ever was going to the gym regularly. Um, and I don't think it would really have mattered. But he's like, hey, why don't, you, why don't you go out here? Here, go play MIDI. Anybody ever know anything about lacrosse? Okay, I'm just going to tell you, they don't stop running. <laughs> and so I said, okay, MIDI, what do I do? He said, you just go back and forth. I'm like, when's the timeout? You know, I mean, I was like, <gasps> okay. And, and the adult league was 18 years old to like 25 and this old man out there. And I, I didn't have any pads. They beat me on the arms. I'm like, this is awful. You know, I was like, somebody else come in. <gasps> you know, I, you know why? I was not 
in shape. I was not ready. I was not game prepared. I thought this old man could get out there and do something. And it didn't happen. It was, I played once, okay? Just to let you know, I played once. And I retired right after that. You've got to be ready for these things. And so when you come to church and you wake up in the morning, you need to be like this. All right, God, I'm ready. I'm ready for some worship. Let's go. Come on, God, I'm ready. Come on, bring it on, bring it on. you got to get ready for worship. Um, you say, God, what do you want me to do? He says, I want you to get ready, get ready. Um, and I want to challenge you before you come to church to exercise. You might want to exercise. There was years, um, there was like several years when I was like really into eating everything and, and matching it all, all perfectly. But I would do five or six miles outside in the morning uh, running before I came to church. And I'm usually here fairly early. Um, some are earlier than me, a lot are earlier than me. But I would get here early and I would, I would go and run. And it was a great time because, number one, what I would do, I wouldn't put on, usually I put on like talk radio or something to keep this ADHD mind going. But what I would do is I'd just put in worship music and I'd run. And I'd just run and listen to God just, and, and be ready. So when I was at church, I was like, yes, let's go. You know, it was like I had worship before worship. I had trained up. I was ready. My mind was ready to go ahead. So we just say, come on, let's get ready. Let's go. Um, and we got to just recognize that, that God deserves best. It's like when we get there and, you know, we have a motion to raise our hand, you know, there's, we'll have to show it sometime, but there's that great comedian who talked about, you know, that you have the different people who worship, like, you know, hold, hold the baby, hold the baby, you know, window washers and all this kind of thing, touchdown. Um, but you have all this kind of thing. But, you know, some of us are like, I can't even lift my hand because it's too heavy. The weight of the world's too much. That we come in so much with the weight of the world, but we need to prepare and get game ready for worship. So God... What do you want me to do? Well, that's what we got to be. We got to say, so maybe we go to the store before we come here and God says, see that person over there? I know you don't know him, but go to him and tell him you want to pray for him and see what happens. And you're like, excuse me? And he said, yeah, come on. I want your game ready. I want your game ready to go. Um, and say, God, my voice belongs to you. Everything that I have belongs to you. You know, because if we're honest, there are times when we come in this room and we're, and we're not physically ready to do what God has called us to do. And so what, why? We may be bodily ready. We may say, okay, my body's ready. I've been up early. I'm ready to go. But we need to get mentally ready. So we need to prepare our minds. Everybody say, prepare your mind. Yeah. Just sitting there, that's not ready for worship. Often I think one of the things that's transitioned in worship, particularly in American uh, worship, is that it's become a spectator sport. Um, we think that worship is about being entertained. Um, you often find out people say, oh, well, they have a nice band and they have this funny person. And they have that. It's, it's, yeah. And that, that's all good. I'm not saying anything that's bad at all. Hear me. I'm not saying anything that's bad. But it's not about us being entertained. It's about us giving God the worth he deserves. And, it, you know, if we're waiting to be entertained, that's what the movies and concerts are for. Um, we have an audience of one. It's the Lord. And that's who we need to please. Um, so, but it doesn't mean we don't have fun. We want to have fun in here. I mean, I've been, I've been at churches where I was just bored to death. And I looked at, I looked at my dad one time, and there was a, I, I think I told you this, there was a some sculpture in the back, and Jesus was standing there like this. And I said, look, Dad, Jesus is even bored, you know. And uh, Dad and I tended to get in trouble at times. In places. Um, so we need to get our mind ready. We need, we need to recognize. I mean, where else are you going to have this opportunity this week to gather with fellow believers to just do one thing, to worship God? Where else? You're not going to get at school. You're not going to get at work. You're not going to get anywhere else. You're not going to get at the mall. You're not getting it anywhere else than here right now. 
Um, Psalm 124 we have to, tells us we have to believe this in our brain, that God deserves this. And we have to go ahead and focus on giving him worship all day long. Let's look at Psalm 124. And they're writing this. It says, if the Lord had not been on our side. And he said, oh, wait, wait, stop. let Israel say. Because Psalms are worships, worship songs. It says, uh, let the Israel say, if the Lord had not been our side when the people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive when they, their anger flared against us. And the flood would have engulfed us. Sound like somebody who's dealing with something, right? Would have engulfed us. And I love what the King James says. It says, the waters would have gone over our soul. The torrent would have swept over us and the raging waters would have swept us away. But look what it says. Praise be to the Lord who has not let us be torn by the teeth, by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from a fowler's snare. The snare has been broken and we have escaped. And here's what they say. Here's the worship. Here's where their mind is ready. All this other stuff's happening to them. They said, our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Doesn't mean that the problems went away, but it just meant we're able to praise because our help is in the name of the Lord, who is the creator of heaven and earth. It's because of him. And we need to realize that mentally, we need to realize that everything we have, every situation we have is because of God. Now, you may have worked and you may have been creative, but God had to make a way for you. God had to bless you in the midst of that. Because what we learned from the series in Job almost a year ago is you can have everything and it can be gone in a moment. Every single thing. And Job had everything taken from him. He had all his riches, all his uh, children. He had his, his uh, job, his workers. Everything was gone in a period of 10 minutes. Because one came right after the other. And what Job realized is everything he had came from God. And he continued to praise him even in the midst of those things. That is worship. That is worship. And I don't know whether you believe that mentally. And we don't if we're not ready for worship. You know, it's not like, it's like, you know, Barney. Anybody watch Barney? Remember Barney, the purple dinosaur? How many of you had to watch Barney when your kids were little? How many have to watch that now? I will pray for you if you have to watch that now. That is horrific. That sticks. Remember the, the earworm? That is like an ear python. It just destroys your mind. Um, but like, you know, I mean, a lot of times we sing greater on that. Like I could start here, Sally the camel has five humped. I'm like, that sticks in your head. And you're like, oh, who is Sally and why she's a camel and I don't care. Oh, she's a horse at the end of the thing. Sorry, I ruined it for you. What about this dumb song? John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. His name is my name too. How many people do you know named John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt? I know of none except for the person in the song. But you're sitting there, his name is my name. No, it's not. Or dare I say, I love you. You love me. I mean, come on. Super de duper. I mean, I had to listen to that nonsense. And it's in your head. And you ever see those kids? They're like, they're like, I'm like, what are they doing? Are they have like their cats ready to kill or something? They're all smiling, like, yeah. You know, it's terrific, terrifically horrible. Terrific. And yet, many times we'll sing the kids' sing-alongs better than we do singing praise to God. A dude in a purple dinosaur suit gets more reaction than the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If we're just not giving to God what Barney gets, then we're not worshiping. Your conflict may be that you just really don't believe that everything you have is from God. It may be that you don't have God high and lifted up. 
Now, that's not to say, maybe you don't believe that God can heal you. That doesn't mean that you don't go to the doctor. I mean, we have great doctors, but it does mean that you have a great physician who can heal you where you are, if you believe that. I mean, I can tell you uh, a year ago after being di diagnosed with what's called polycystic kidney disease, I got plenty of doctors in my life. I got one that I didn't even know what they did before this, like general practitioners, radiologists, urologists, nephrologists. Anybody know what a nephrologist is? Kidney dude or girl, you know? I didn't know anything about that. What's a nephrot? You know? Um, and they're great, and they, they do a, a great amount to help. But one of the things every doctor, if they're honest, will tell you, they don't know it all. I mean, COVID told us that, didn't it? And they, they just need to, they're, they're doing great jobs, but still, they don't know it all. But we have one who does. He's the great physician. You have to believe in your mind and you have to get bodily ready and believe that God is worthy. So if all day tomorrow throughout the day, when you tell him you're thankful for your life and your patience and, your, and his mercy and his wisdom, you can go on and on with that all day to God and just love him. As you watch football and you watch defensive backs, you know, the wide receiver always knows where they're going and the defensive back doesn't. But he's ready. Hopefully he's always ready. Number three, prepare your heart. We got to get our hearts ready. How do we do that? Psalm 1, Psalm 9, 1 and 2. I will praise you, Lord, with my, all my heart. I will tell of the marvelous things that you have done. I will be filled with joy because of you. I will sing praises to your name. You notice that he says, I will praise you with all my heart. He was game ready. You get up in the morning, seven days a week, and you say, I got to get ready for worship. And we need to go ahead and connect and say, God, I, I, I will praise you with my whole heart because Satan's ready to divide your heart between lots of things. How many of you were planning... Uh, to go to church or 14 days of prayer, which we just finished up, or small group or disciple or another Bible study, and something that prevented or almost prevented you, like you got into an argument or a fight or it, it didn't go well at the day at work or the dog got sick or you're hungover from the night before or you're too tired or you're just distracted by life. So how do we get our hearts ready? How do we get our hearts prepared and game ready? Number one, the first thing we got to do is be honest and address the condition of our heart. Everything we do comes out of our hearts, whether we admit it or not. If we're honest, same thing with worship. Uh, you can say, I sing well, I got my hands up, I'm doing the sway thing, I do the hand motions, I know how to do Father Abraham, had many sons, and this little light of mine, and under a bushel, no, all that stuff. But it doesn't matter if the condition of my heart is not right. Last week, we talked about Matthew 15, 8. And in Matthew 15, 8, Jesus was quoting this verse from Isaiah 29 and using it when, when he was talking with the religious leaders today. And this is what Isaiah said that Jesus paraphrased. He says, these people come near me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based merely on human rules that they have been taught. There are certain things we've been taught, but that's not spontaneous worship. It's not bad, but God wants a spontaneous reaction. There are a lot of times that I come here and I, if I'm honest, and I show up and I sing and I say the right things, but if I'm honest, my heart is not in tune with worshiping God. And it's not truly representing what I'm singing or what I'm saying. There's a question that we all need to ask is what coming out of my mouth a representation of what I believe that's going on in my heart? Are the things in my heart that I haven't confessed or the things that I haven't addressed, does this and this match up 
with, with who you are, God. Because I want to be authentic. I want to demean it from the heart. And, and God inhabits that kind of thing. Number two of how we get our hearts ready. We need to identify what distracts us. We live in a time of more distraction than ever. Um, Justin and I were kind of talking today about like, if you know, how like video clips, like people don't watch long things, they watch clips. I think like what drives me crazy, if you ever watch that show, America's Got Talent, they, they show the person and they show the judges and they show something here and it's like every five seconds and I'm like, please stop. You know, I feel like I'm, I, I get nervous watching it at, at times. And you know, so, so what do we, what do we need to focus on what distracts us? We talked about Mary and Martha and, um, and Lazarus. Um, and we, there's this account from Luke chapter 10. Let's read it. It says, uh, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And Jesus answered, I love this, Martha, Martha. Martha, Martha, you are, he said, you are worried and upset about many things. But a few things are needed, or indeed, only one. And Mary has chosen what will be better and will not be taken from her. In other words, Jesus is saying, yeah, I get that when there's dinner, there's things that need to be prepared. And he's not minimizing that. But he's saying at this moment, Mary could have been doing a lot of things, but she chose to just stop the world around her and worship me because I'm here. How many of us just stop the world around us and just worship the Lord? How many of us do that? So many times we come and we may be distracted by several things. Maybe it's our cell phone. Maybe it's putting that cell phone down. And you, you may say, oh, I use my Bible on that. You know, okay, well, I get it. But, um, you know, it distracts us. You know, because when that little thing comes, bing, we go. <laughs> we want to answer it. I got to find out why Facebook's telling me that's important, right? Um, Maybe it's a conversation that we're still mulling over in our minds, but yet we're here to worship and focus on God and we're just distracted. Or maybe it's an argument or something else. Like, you know, you, again, you come in, you got in a fight in, in the car and you walk through the door. Yes, we're so happy to be here. Yeah, it's a beautiful day. Oh, the peace of Christ be with you too. And you're like, not this one next to me. And you begin to go ahead. You're sitting in church and you're looking through the Bible and, and you're looking through the Bible for things to attack. Like you're, like one is looking at Proverbs. It's better to live on the corner of the roof than with a quarrelsome wife. And you're like, see, that's there four times in, in Proverbs. And then uh, she's writing down from Numbers 22 thinking she married a talking jackass. You know what I mean? I mean, this is how we do it. And we're totally distracted. And it affects our ability to worship. And so we need to give God total focus and praise. And that brings us to number three. We need to give a clear focus. A clear focus. Hebrews chapter 12 says this. And this is from the Amplified Version. It says, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith, the first incentive for our belief and the one who brings faith to maturity, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured a cross, disregarding the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and his completion of the work. What is it saying there? It's saying if we really, really grasp what Jesus did by enduring the cross, we have no other choice than to stop the world and worship him. Because in Romans chapter 5, it says, For the wages of sin are death. That's what we deserve. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord who endured a cross. 
Romans 5 says, but God demonstrates his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ endured the cross and died for us. Do we really fully grasp the magnitude of the suffering, pain, death, and resurrection that Jesus went through for me, for you? I challenge you to to look at the Passion of the Christ, the movie that was done, and you see a little bit. Because nobody's ever depicted Jesus on the cross because historically they were hung completely naked to humiliate them even more. But Jesus scorned his shame and took it all, not because of him, but because of me. And why did he do that? So that he could reconnect me with the Father. So that no matter what happens in this world, no matter how, how bad I am, how off the mark I am in life, that through my relationship with him, because he offered it to me, and said, Jack, I love you. I got nothing else to do but praise him. So why do I give it to somebody who's on a football field or even Barney when there's only one who deserves it? And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And so when we fully understand he's our Savior, our focus needs to be on him. So as we close, what is your heart's condition? What is it that distracts you in life? If you, got sub, if you don't, can't find any time to get in his word, to listen to a sermon from somebody, to, to listen to praise and worship music, to just talk to God and pray, then you've got a lot of distractions. What is it that distracts you? Those things that are keeping you from fully worshiping him. What is your, where's your focus? What are you looking at in life? Are you focused on the fact that he is your savior and he loves you in a way? Are you game ready? Are you game ready? Remember, worship's not just about song, but it's a time where we can escape and do that. Can you say to yourself, Lord, I'm game ready. My body's ready. My mind's ready. My heart's ready. Some of us just need Christ to touch our hearts. And some of us may need to say, I need you to come into my life. And I want to accept that free gift so I understand what it's like to just embrace and recognize that I, you did nothing except love me to go through that. He says, so Lord, here I am. I That's what Isaiah said. After all that, he got to the point and said, here I am. Send me. Because at first he was like, oh, woe is me. And then he saw the majesty of God, that God was forgiving and loving. And he said, here am I, send me. Here's my body. Use it for whatever you would have it be. Make it a living sacrifice as I worship you. Here's my mind, and I'm going to look at the things of you. And here's my heart that I give to you. And where it's hurt and where it's breaking God, come in and heal it and make it new. The only thing that is reasonable for me to do is worship him. So when you get up tomorrow morning, when you wake up, stop before you get out of bed and say, today is going to be a day of worship. And I'm going to praise you in every single thing. Amen? Amen. All right, let's stand up. Lord, as, I, as we come to you today, we, um, you desire worshipers who are in spirit and truth. You, that's what you want. You, you want us to go ahead and just... Uh, 
you, you're not saying everything's going to be taken care of and everything's going to be set aside and removed and it's just going to be skipping through the daisies. And for those of us who's given that uh, approach in, Christ, in the Christian faith, we're wrong in doing that. But Lord, just as the psalmist said, it's not about, it's not about getting over those things, it's about going through it. When he said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't often get over those things, but we walk through it. And it's nice to know that we don't walk through it alone, that we have a Savior, a mighty God who, who loves us, one who, is, um, who paid the ultimate price for us, and that when we, when we embrace all that you have done, when we look at, at the simple fact that we did nothing and have done nothing to deserve your love and your favor. We've done nothing to deserve the free gift of eternal life. We've done nothing to be forgiven of our sins. The only thing that we've done is to accept and really look to what you've done. And so Lord, for those of us who need healing, we're gonna believe it in our minds. For those of us who, who need it in our bodies, that we're gonna put our bodies to worshiping you. God, here's, here's my hands, do what you want. Here's my, here's my mouth, do what you want with it. Here's my feet. Whatever it is, God, I'm going to get in ready worship position for you. And Lord, I want my mind to be focused on you. Yeah, I know when I leave here, I got a lot going on. But right now, I'm just rebuking any attack of Satan. I want to focus on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want to give you the majesty and praise that you deserve. And I want to feel your presence. And I want you to inhabit my praise. I don't care what anybody else is doing around me. God, I just want to experience you during this time because I need you. I need you. I want to be like Isaiah and see you high and lifted up and see your majesty fill every area of my life. And I may recognize that, whoa, I'm undone. Whoa, I'm not worth this. But through your love and your grace, you, you cleanse me and you say, I'm whole and I'm your child. And then I can respond, here I am. Here I am, God, send me. So around this room, as people are, are, are searching our hearts and our minds and to get connected to you, God, I, I pray that your spirit will inhabit our praise. And that this week will be a week where we are filled, that every day is a day of worship with you. We love you. Help us to just, not just get in the game, but be fully prepared to win the battle with Christ Jesus. For those who are, who are giving at this time for tithes and offerings, and if you're visiting, we do not expect you to give. You're our guest. Just receive what God has for you. But for these gifts that come in, God, continue to multiply them here, to further them here in Haiti and around the earth for your glory, not ours. For it's all about you. It's all about you. And we just want to praise the world that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that you're Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. to
Have a great week. God bless you. Next week, worship as a weapon. Okay? That's it. Go.